Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. G'day legends and welcome to the Thursday Sesh by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are Willie and Stephen. How are you Willie? I'm doing okay and just enjoying the, the sunny spring days over here in the mid-20 temperatures so I've been cooking away quite nicely. How are you doing Stephen? I actually you're roasting up in Sydney. It's been pretty warm up there from what I heard. Yeah, we've had a few stinkers. Um had a 36 degree day yesterday but it's actually... We had a nice cool thoroughly come through today, so it's much cooler today. But uh, yeah, it's nice to be nice to see the sunshine again in the in the warm temperatures. Although thirty six is a bit too warm for the the northern hemisphere boys like myself. It's funny you get down here in Melbourne today, and it was nice and sunny, but it was freezing. Hence the hoodies being worn. Rocking one of those Celtic down under hoodies. We're going to get the site back up soon, so people are about to buy them if they want them. But yeah, it's uh. It's all happening today, so we're going to crack on to the podcast. So we're going to um, dive straight into final to Celtic nil in the Champions League. Now, I watched the game in two separate patches. I watched the first half, and then I had stuff to do, and then I watched the second half. And, yeah, it's um, it's for me, I kind of find it hard to get an overall take on the game because I didn't sit it down and watch it start to finish. So I tried to do that last night, but... My thing wasn't working, so I'm going to rely on both you boys, Willie and Stephen, to really get into the nitty-gritty about the game here. So I'll start off with the uh, the starting lineup because there was really, really a couple of questions going into the game. Who was going to start at centre-back, what the midfield three was going to be, and who was going to start up on the wing? You'd have Kyogo and Mayer up front. Who's going to be the other one? Is it going to be Yang? Is it going to be Palmer? Well, it was Palmer. The midfield three was... Kelmack, Hatate, and O'Reilly. And then down the back had Johnston, Taylor, 
Scales and Lagerbelke together with Joe Hart in goals. On the bench, you had Yang, Home, O, Wada, Bernardo, Turnbull, Bain, Morrison, Forrest, Ralston, and Mikey Johnson on the bench for homegrown reasons, obviously. So, looking at that lineup, Stephen, what was your thoughts going into the game? Well, I think the lineup um, was probably as good as it could be, given our injury situation at the back. I think most people had reckoned that Lagabielka had showed up well in his substitute appearance against Dundee, uh, and Liam Scales had played well too. So it made sense to see them, given that um, given that Phillips had um, had a little bit of an ankle problem uh, and didn't make the game. So that that was pretty obvious. The fullbacks picked themselves and the goalkeeper. Uh, the midfield, I think, again, everybody wanted to see Hitati in there, and he was named. And the only other question up front was it going to be Yang? Or was it going to be Palmer? Uh, and he went for Palmer, which uh, which pushed um, Maida across to the other side of the pitch, uh, which was a, an, probably an interesting discussion point. But as far as the, the team lineups concerned, it was pretty much as expected. And Willie, what was your thoughts? Nah, there's no real um, surprises in the lineup, but I think I suppose um, Young being dropped for Palmer is probably one of the main sort of eyebrow raisers, but yeah, for me, it was probably the strongest team we could have put out there. Like, Yeah, I don't think there was much more we could have done with the squad we had available. Typical Celtic in um, in Europe, when it rains, it pours in terms of injuries or things happening. And, you know, we bring in a couple of centre-backs, stuff up moves on, you bring in Narovsky, you bring in uh, Carter Vickers gets hurt, you bring in Lagerbelki. And then Welsh signs a new contract, he gets hurt. So you, you go, emergency loan, we need a centre-back, someone a bit experienced. So you bring in Phillips and, yeah, he misses the game due to injury. Uh, typical. It's just typical for us. I call that centre-back for us as a, a bit of a Bermuda triangle for us at the moment. It's a bit all over the joint. So, yeah, that was that. But diving into the actual game, Willie, what was your thoughts on the first-half performance overall? I thought we shaded the first half, to be honest. I thought we were slightly the better team. I don't think it was a great encounter for the first half, but we were certainly in that game, and the free kick came at the wrong time. I mean, O'Reilly leaves his leg out, causes a free kick. Joe Hart's standing way too far to one side. He shows way too much of the goal to, to, the, to the Stengs, who's taking the free kick, and then the wall doesn't do its job. And we just, like you say, it's a typical away day in Europe for Celtics. It's I shot ourselves in the foot there and then. But I thought, yeah, I thought competitively, we, we certainly we pressed them high. We kept we kept them to sort of speculative shots from outside the box. I think we did what we needed to do and try and frustrate them. And if we'd gone in 0-0 at half-time, it would have certainly worked in our favour because they would certainly come out a bit more frustrated. Their fans, their fans weren't enjoying it. They were there was twenty minutes in. They were passing the ball about the back, and their fans were booing them for doing that. So, if we carried on to keep it nil nil, the fans might have turned on them as well. So, um, yeah, it was a decent first half, but it was just the wrong, wrong, the seriously wrong time to lose a goal. Yeah, hundred percent, Willie. And then off the back of that as well, for me, I thought the um, early on. That yellow card for uh, Lagerbelka was pretty soft. Yeah. Um, I thought that was that. But then they had one of their guys put an early tackle in and they um, 
on Maeda in the first, was about a minute and a half in as well that wasn't it wasn't even looked at. Could have been a potential penalty. So you just have a look at the whole situation here, and I'm like, I'm not blaming anything, but yeah, as you said, Willie, we were the, I actually agree with you with a better team overall in the first half. And if we play like that against them when they come to Paradise, we're a chance to to pick up three points there. What was your thoughts, Stephen, on the first half? Yeah, look, I was I was quite happy with the the shape of the team. Um, I was quite happy with the tactics. I think Brendan got it spot on. Um, he got we, we were quite efficient in the high press. The press triggers all seemed to be working well. We were closing down their, their passing channels, um, and we were frustrating them as well. I said, I don't think we really created that much for me to be able to say that we were the better team. I think we were the more effective team. Uh, without really looking like scoring. Like, we never really worked our goalkeeper. And uh, we had a couple of half moments, but um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't as if we were dominating in an attacking sense. We, we, we got the, the tactics right. We were frustrating them. And we were heading towards going in uh, with, with a nothing each scoreline. But I, I still don't think that, that we, were, we were threatening enough in the final third. Um, our final ball into the box was poor on a, a number of occasions. And, and when we went in at 1-0, that, that was my worry. My worry was that, that we hadn't done enough in the attacking third to, to warrant any confidence that we were going to equalise in the second half. So, as Wally said, it's just an awful time to lose a goal, um, especially after, you know, most of our most of our tactics and, and game plans had worked quite well up to that point. Yeah, we'll have to agree with you on that. So, I'm going to bring up a few comments here as well. So, John Clements was watching Celtic away in Europe summary. Oh, we're doing well here. We are well in this. We could get a result. Oh, F's sake. Yep. Pretty much summed up the first half to me. Um, yeah, so that that goal that they, they scored in the, uh, the wall, look, I actually think I don't actually blame Joe Hart for that goal. I think the wall didn't do their job, but at the same time, there's been stories about it going around and the rules. Like on the weekend, we saw the referee marking out the meter clearance around the wall for the attacking players as well and stuff like that. And Kyogo was interfered with when the shot came in and then he turned away from it anyway. So that's where I put most of the issues on that front. But yeah, I don't, I don't actually blame Joe Hart for that goal, all things considered. And we've got Drew saying, unprepared, players in too late to fully jail, too late to get up to match fitness. Signs look a mile off the pace. Hard to believe they can find it. Pace to make up the yard or two they're missing. And then, so Willie, what was your thoughts on the second half? I didn't actually get to see the second half live. I had to watch it when I got home from work. I ended up 45 minutes late for work for some reason. I don't know why. Like this half. Um, I had to... At the end of the first half, I had to jump in the van and drive off. I had audio only, but it didn't sound great. And when I watched it back, it was up until the 60th minute, up until the sending off, we were still in the game. I mean, could we have scored? It might have sneaked in a goal and got a draw out of it, but the sending off killed us. Like, And then four or five minutes later, home goes and gets himself sent off, and that's it. It's just damage limitation from there on in. It was... Uh, became a routine training exercise for Feyenoord and, and for us, credit to the nine men because they held out. It could have been a lot, lot worse, but uh, it just 
as I said earlier, it's just a typical away day for Celtic. You know, what I mean, you think it gets so promising and then it just collapses from under you. Like, yeah. And Stephen, what was your take on the second half? We'll get into yeah, the bar and the penalties and all that stuff in a minute. So, what was your overall take on the second half? Yeah, unfortunately, I did watch it live, so uh, not not a great experience. Just getting back to their goal uh, before half time for a second. Um, you know, I agree that Hart's not the most culpable, uh, but I do believe that a, a more younger, more agile keeper gets over to that to that um, to that shot. I think the it was a poor free kick to give away from O'Reilly, um, and Kyogo's jumping at you know making himself small instead of making himself big in the wall. Um, he just needs to be braver in that situation. Uh, and third on the list, I'd have Hart to blame uh, because it wasn't a really hardly hard hit shot. Uh, it was more like a curled, floated shot, um, and he should have had plenty of time to get over there uh, and get a, get a couple of hands on that. And he did get there and got a hand on it, but only managed to put it into the net. So I, I think a, a better, younger goalkeeper would definitely have saved that. Um, moving on to the same. I quickly jump in. Yep. With the way he struck it and the side of the field it was from, should Kyogo have been on the other end of the wall or not? Because to me, when he turned in, it looked like he was trying to like, normally if you're going to be in the wall, you're there to basically, you're prepared to cop the ball square in the face if need be. But he looked like he was turning and I was worried, okay, was he bumped the position or was he protecting his shoulder because his outer shoulder was the one he keeps injuring. So could it have been either of them? And if that's the case, should he have been at the other end of the wall? That. Or, or should he have been in the wall at all? Or should they, you know, they normally leave a striker up um, just yeah. to, for an out ball if, if they if they gain yeah. possession at a free kick. So that's maybe that's maybe true. But but regardless of all that, he, he needs to be braver when he's in the wall. Um, and you know, I'm not having a go at Kyogo. He's a small, he's a five foot seven striker. So you know, it's not his job to be brave. But in that situation, in a wall, you've got to just take one flat smack in the face if you have to if you to keep the ball away from the goals uh, and he turned him he turned side on and the ball went right past the gap that he left by doing that so um not 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 that good from him and um yeah and, and Hart I think you know it definitely has to do better but it was a really really lazy challenge from O'Reilly um I know it's a lot of people saying O'Reilly had a good game um and he did have his moments but I, I just think his lack of pace um, is exposed at that level, uh, and that you know he just looked as if just looked like a tired, lazy challenge, uh, and a terrible time to, to give it away. Um, just on the second half, I felt as if Feyenoord came out and sort of hemmed us in the first ten minutes of the second half. They they came out with a review a reviewed purpose, and that's to be expected when you've scored a goal right before the break. We got in it not, nothing each. It might have been a different story, but they come out with a bit of fire in their belly. And they kind of penned us in, and you know, by the time they got the penalty award and well down to ten men, the game was was over after that, and it was just a case of how many they were going to score, and the uh, the red card for home just added insult to injury. Yeah, have to agree with that. Andrew Galea had a couple of comments. So Kyogo should have never been in that position, and O'Reilly struggled with the pace of the first half battle. I think overall, yeah, we've touched on all of that there, but. If we get to the um, like something I want to touch on before we go on is okay, Lagerbelki's red card and Holmes' red card. So Lagerbelki's red card, look, I have no problem with that being a yellow and being a penalty. 
it was his first yellow card that caught, that was the reason he got sent off, in my opinion, overall. I don't think – I think they were both soft, but at the same time, fine, whatever. It was great to see Joe Hart save a penalty. There, you know, I thought, you know, it was going to start like – must have been snowing in hell or something like that because, you know, and hell freezing over and stuff because he's saved a penalty. So that was interesting. And then Holmes' red card, letter of the law, red card, because studs up. But in Scotland, that's not called. In Europe, it's red. And the inexperience we have, where it was Lagerbelki and Holmes' first Champions League game, they're playing in the top quality in Europe, and it's fine margins. I think those are good learning experiences for the for those two players in particular. And then having the nine players off the back of that, doing as well as they did, all things considered, I looked at them going, oh, great, we're down nine players. We're probably going to get done by four or five now. And for it to be 2-0, I think that just shows that shows quite a bit as well there, the work rate and the fact that the players kept pushing through it. I'm, I'm happy to um, – but happy with the damage limitation that ended up coming from it. What do you think, Willie, about the red cards? I think um, Lagerbielke, he can be a bit, he can feel a bit aggrieved the first one. It is a bit of a soft yellow card. It is a tackle from behind, so technically to the letter of the referee is probably right to flash the card, but it's soft. The second one, the, the defender gets round him. There's a bit of jostling. I think the defender, the attacker pulls Lagerbielke's shirt and he tries to counterbalance himself and his arm sort of goes up, but... Again, he just needs to inexperience. He just needs to let the ball run. Joe Hart had it covered. He just he just needed to let it run. Joe Hart would have picked it up, and it would have been all all kosher. But again, it's he's given the referee a decision to make, and you can't go doing that at this level because you won't get away with. It. Whereas Oden home, it's just it's just stupidity. It's just frustration. He's just gone in, stands up, sliding in. That's just. You're never going to get away with that. It's a straight red. There's uh, no no qualms or complaints about that one at all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, we've got some comments here. So Andrew Kalea. Owens foot ricocheted off the deck and bounced up to hit the bloke in the shin. A bit unlucky. RL77, Feyenoord player, conned the referee for the penalty, in my opinion. What's your opinion on it, Stephen? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to disagree slightly with both of you. I don't think it was a penalty. Um, I, I agree with what Willie said. I think I think Lagabielka, and I've got a bit of sympathy for him here. I think he's got to get his body in between the, the, the striker and the goalkeeper because he's not 100% sure that ball's going to run through. So that's what he's tried to do. Now, while he's right, the, the, the guy's had a tug at his jersey and he's unbalanced him. 
and his arms came up in the act of trying to regain balance. He's caught the guy across basically the upper chest, neck sort of area, not with any great force. And the guy's gone down as if he's been shot, right? Now, my issue is when the VAR looked at it, he didn't look at the incident where the guy pulled his jersey. They only looked at the arm coming up. So if you look at that and look at that in isolation, it just looks as if Lagabielki's lifted his arm. But that's not the full context. The full context is the guy pulled him first. So to me, it should have been a foul to Celtic. Um, and and, and we'd never have, there would never have been a decision to make with the yellow card. So I've got an issue with that. I think VAR probably wouldn't have overturned it because it, it wasn't a clear and obvious error. But I disagree. I don't think it was a penalty. Um, on the uh, Thiago Holm one, you know, I can see why he was sent off. But again, there was no force in it. There was no force or maliciousness in the contact. He barely grazed the guy's leg. And again, the guy's gone down as if he's been shot by a sniper. And um, I think that's helped make the ref's mind up. And then it's gone to VAR. And because the studs are up, you know, because he's went to ground, the VAR's never going to overturn it. But I think if the referee had just booked him for that, I don't think anybody would have really raised an eyebrow. I don't think it would have been upgraded to a red by VAR. I think VAR would have, would have been happy with a yellow. So I think the ref, he was definitely card happy with Celtic players. Um, and he wasn't so... He wasn't so keen to dish out cards to the final players, so he was a bit of a homer. Uh, and I think we can be we, we, we can consider ourselves a little bit unlucky, especially with a penalty. It's funny you say that because Strange Love the Doctor has said the goal was created by Kyogo moving blah blah second half right up there. Ref was a homer. So Strange Love has said that as well. Um Andrew Galea, it's natural to put your arms across the bloke ducks into it. So just off that. In particular, yeah, I agree. The only reason I said that I had no problem with it being a penalty, Stephen, is, okay, the push happened and everything, and, it, yeah, it should have been a free kick our way. It's not going to get called with the way he was calling the game, but if the contact with the arm coming up happened anywhere else on the pitch, it's a yellow. That's like it would be given a yellow. I'm not – even in that situation – I'm just trying to figure out the best way to say it without going on a massive rant here, but it's one of them ones where I wouldn't have a – if someone did that to one of our players elsewhere on the pitch, even if we pushed them and they flung an arm up and elbowed it, I'd be wanting a yellow card. And the fact of the matter is it happened in the box is what led to the penalty as well. So i got no – I can't complain about it. That's football at the end of the day. you got to make these decisions. That's what gives us something to talk about on the podcast. So the referee was shocking though. So was his socks. What were they all about? Like black top, black shorts, and a pair of luminous yellow socks, man. He looked like there's all sorts running around the pitch. Like I don't know, Willie. <laughs> but I've got a I've got another question now that I want to ask you was what's with our guys' socks constantly? They've constantly got massive holes in the calves and stuff. I don't get it. Why are players doing that these days? Now we're talking about socks. I'm just gonna bring it up. It has me head in. Get a bigger pair of socks. I think it's to relieve that, pressure on the calf muscle or something, is it? Yeah, there's some there's some physiological reason for it. I, I, I've got no, no idea, but funny you should mention it. I noticed someone doing it, and I thought, what the hell is that all about? And I meant to Google it, um, and you know, I didn't. I never I never get around to it, but maybe I'll go and Google it. 
saw it on the weekend. Um, I think Yang had massive holes in the back of his socks, and I'm just looking at Johnny Hayes is the worst. Like you see him play for Aberdeen, he's like got red front of his socks, and then the whole back of it is just pink. His his whole calf muscle is basically out. Like you know, what I mean, it's just like what's he doing? Anyway, that's the real questions. Everyone, let us know in the comments what are, why are the players ripping holes in the back of their socks. What's going on? But anyway, we'll get back to the game. Willie, you got any players you want to give a special focus to? I think um, special focus has to go to Liam Scales, man. This kid is on his way to be player's player of the year. Player of the year. And he'd probably win the Ballon d'Or too if he carries on in this trajectory, man. It just absolutely cruised that game. Like this, because he defended where he needed to defend. He was he was always where he needed to be. And he, he the way he moved the ball about was pretty... Pretty good, like so. I was really impressed for somebody who I thought was just going to be a bit part player for one game only until we got other people in. He, he's really impressing me. Like, and Stephen, you got any player you want to focus? Yeah, I mean, I think the only two players who come out of the game with credit was um, was scaled as well. He says and Alistair Johnson, who I think was excellent and um, showed that he's he's absolutely capable of playing at that level. Uh, one of the only players in the team. Who, who who did show that conclusively? Um, so I think um, we can we can be quite confident moving forward that we've got that right back slot covered for the Champions League. He's definitely a he's definitely a top class player, and I thought he was excellent. Uh, he quite you see it. If I know to attack us on the right on our right straight away from the off, and they were getting no change and quickly moved to attacking sort of plays down the wings of the left and. That's where Greg Taylor started to struggle a wee bit then, like because it was all coming out. I think the second half, forty-four percent of the attacks came down our left, like so. Like I think, I think the other thing, the good thing about Johnston for me is I think he's good at the dark arts as well. He knows yeah, when yeah. to tug a jersey, he knows when to give a foul away, he knows when to go through a player and take a yellow, um, and and he, he's just got it all in his locker. He's the sort of guy, he's always laughing and smiling and joking, but he's got that's kind of menacing. Aura about him that, that you don't want to you don't want to mess with him. Do you know what I mean? So he, yeah. he, he's just he's just everything you need your modern fullback to be. He's physical, he's quick, and he's very technically good. Yep, there's a comment here from Drew as well saying Scales might end up partnering CCV. Strange love about that, the that's, that's, with... very, that, that's very true because he's he's left he's the only left sided centre half at the club at the moment. I think. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Is he still there? <laughs> Who knows? Um, so I think, he, he, yeah, when, when uh, CCB's fit, there's, a, there's every chance that he might be partnering up with skills. Fair enough. I actually think it wouldn't surprise me. It's, it was a couple, of hours, a couple of days away from being sold, and now you look at him, he's starting a Champions League game. It's just it's great to see. So we're talking about those socks before. So we've got a few comments here that I'm just going to bring up for a laugh. So strange love, the doctor. I blame Lawwell's cutting cost cutting for the socks. Why not? And RL77. Once you feel the freedom of crotchless underwear, you'll understand why there's holes in the socks. So a friend told me. Had to. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And then um, yeah, so. Realistically, yeah, I think the players there you mentioned did well. Um, one other player that I thought was decent was got to give credit where it's due. I thought Maeda did a, did a fair bit. I thought he was decent when he was out there as well. 
just his work rate was just yeah, just he doesn't drop. I don't think he's had a bad game. Even if he's not playing well, he's still working and earning his jersey. So he's first name one of the first names on the team sheet to me. I was really really impressed with. Him. So last thing on the game before we crack on to a few other things, but Stephen, what can we take away as positives from the game in Rotterdam? On a positive from you, Willie, you're going to give us a negative to take away from the game. And then we'll flip a reverse so you get to give one of each. Can I, can I not go first with a negative? The positive we can take away is from, from the, for the first turn, the first 45 minutes of the game, right up to the first time stoppage time, we didn't look out of our depth. Um, Feyenoord are definitely not levels above us, as some people were suggesting pre-match. Um, and I think we can feel that we're not that far away from being able to match up with them. Um, and it must give us a little, a little bit of confidence that, um, that that we can get something from them at Celtic Park. I might counter that by saying I think Feyenoord will probably feel they can play better too. And they have got a couple of players to come back. Uh, from suspension, so they'll feel they'll go up a level when they play us again. But you know, we weren't we weren't outclassed um, and we weren't overrun, uh, and they never really cut us open until we had, we were down to ten, then nine men. Willie, what's a what's a negative? For me, the negative would be the left hand side of the pitch. Um, I thought Palmer did. Uh, he's getting a lot of stick, but I thought he did okay. He made some positive runs, but he struggled to find his footing once he got into the position when it was time to make the pass or take a shot. So I think with a bit more time and a bit more understanding of where his teammates are moving and what they're going to do, I think he'll, I think he'll be an okay player for us. But I think Greg Taylor struggled to get a grip of this game. Mike. So I think on the left-hand side, we were, we were pretty weak. And they were trying to, that's like I say, second half, they, they realised that and tried to expose it. So... And what was the other one you've got to do, Stephen, or did you do both? I've just I, had a I've minute. Got to do a, I've got to do a negative. Um, yeah. Negative for me was, was Rio Hitati. Um, it was absolutely terrible, um, really poor. Um, his passing was erratic. Um, his, his press wasn't wasn't great. And his all-round game was just really off. Um, and I'm not sure that the, the excuse that's been trotted out for Hitati about a lack of match fitness it is really valid because he was poor from the word go. It wasn't a case of him tiring towards the end of the half. He was just poor for the whole, whole half. And my issue with, with, with Rio Hitati is he's always been like that. The difference between his best game and his worst game is just too big. The gap is just too big. When he's good, he's brilliant. And we know he's brilliant. But when he's bad, he's worse than a man down. And you can't have that in the Champions League. Um, I, I would have, and, and we get back, we'll move, touch on this in a bit, but you know, we should have been looking to sign someone who can play a number 10 role um, and can do that role a lot better than what Hitati served up last night. So I agree, I agreed that it had to be in the team, but but what he what he dished up wasn't good enough. And Willie got a positive? Uh, it's a negative. Uh, positive for me, I'd probably switch it to the right-hand side. As Stephen said, AJ, who's class on that right-hand side, he definitely belongs at this level. And Maeda, for me, again, like you said, he worked his socks off. He, he he really ran his heart out for the team. And the amount of times he's not played in the right too much, but when he has, he's, he's kind of looked 
all at sea sometimes when he's played domestically there on the right for us. So he, he's putting a really good shift there. So the right-hand side of the pitch, positive. All right, I'm going to bring up some comments and um, then we'll crack on to our, our next topic. So, strange of the doctor, a lot of fans are kind of losing the plot over the over the result over here, but I wasn't overly concerned with that. It was all about the performance. And for me, I'm relatively optimistic about the way we played. And he followed that up with, I'm not complaining, I actually thought the character from the boys was excellent. The disappointing thing for me is I believe that our side is just as good as this this final side, that's football. Fair point. Then Andrew Galea, that role Hurtado played hasn't worked with Turnbull or home either. So it's a bit of a uh, interesting position in the team. So maybe we did need to strengthen the 10, as we were saying just before. Michael Ross, serious question. Are our board aware that there is 2.5 million on offer for every win in the Champions League? 2.5 million is what? Um, you know, half a Kyogo to uh, a Matt O'Reilly or a Rio Hatade with some change left over. Yep. Or three Quans. <laughs> there you go. Or, or 2. a Tilly. 2.5 million is a first team player to the board. <laughs> 2.5 million is a Yang. There you go. That's what we spent on him. And RL77, the transfer window plus his group is probably going to be a huge missed opportunity. I think it's too early to uh, talk about the group. But, yeah, the um, transfer window, I don't know. Got to wait till we get a healthy team and look at everyone. I've got a couple of other things I wanted to touch on quickly. Okay, so those next two are for the next topic. So this one here. So there was a tweet from TalkSport saying Celtic have lost 58.9% of their Champions League games, the highest ratio of any side with at least 50 games played in the competition. Got to love it. Got to love the media just like, you know, trying to kick us when we're down. But then I love this one from Everything Celtic on Twitter. Alternative version, only 11 sides have won more Champions League slash European Cup matches than Celtic. Celtic have won more than Inter Milan, Borussia Dortmund, PSG and Arsenal. Improvements are needed, but these stats are clutching at straws to have a pop at Celtic. I just love the flip reverse. I was like, play the Uno reverse. It was just great. So I think sometimes we just got to uh, take it with a grain of salt. Result didn't go away. And the last-minute draw from who was it, the Lazio goalkeeper has really opened the group up as well. So, yeah, it's all there to play for. So I'm not too stressed about that. Now, Stephen, I'm going to throw this one to you to give us a bit of a rundown and start the discussion on financial results for the PLC come through. The club has £72 million in the bank. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, my, my thoughts are why? Why have we got £72 million in the bank? What is the positive for Celtic with sitting on a cash pile of, of, of £72 million? Now, any good company knows that you don't sit with massive cash reserves in the bank if your company has operational deficiencies, which ours does. Namely, we need a goalkeeper, we need a left back, and we probably need a number 10, as we spoke earlier. So there is no reason for Celtic to have £72 million in the bank and no justification for it. 
and I, I really I can't understand what they're doing. The notes that accompanied the the financial statements were regarding um, that they're worried that we don't qualify for the Champions League in the future. So essentially, what they're saying is we're setting ourselves up for failure in Europe in case we fail in Europe. All right now, I can't be the only one that sees the absolute absurdity of that. It's absolutely self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't spend money, you're not going to succeed in Europe and you're going to need that cash reserve because you haven't succeeded in Europe. Now, we, me, and, me and Willie have done several podcasts about this where we talked about this season being absolutely critical because we're standing on the precipice of losing our automatic group stage qualification spot season after next. And if we have another campaign like last year's, then that's going to happen and we're going to be back in a qualifier again, even if we win the league. And you can see what happened to Rangers this year. They came up against PSV, they're a good team, and they got they got rinsed, right? And that could just as easily happen to us. If we'd played PSV in a qualifier this year, we wouldn't have beat them either. So the actions of the board over the transfer window have done nothing to suggest to me that they're even the least bit interested in, in, in the European the European tournaments. And um, to, to, to announce a result like that, um, $40 million profit, and a, a 72 million cash reserve in the bank. And they then try to justify it by saying what we're, we're concerned about not qualifying for the Champions League. It's absolutely farcical. And, and the board have just showed themselves to be absolutely not fit for purpose. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Willie, I'll let you jump in on the back of that. Nah, I wholeheartedly agree with everything Stevens just said. I mean, revenue has skyrocketed 35.8%. Income's up to 119 million, 40.7 million profit, 72.3 million in the bank. That's all good, very well and good. I mean, the board are sitting there, they're drying their tears with 50 pound notes right now, whilst the team's crying out for a goalkeeper, a left back, a number 10, and probably a striker too. Why do we have 72 million in the bank? Why? You know what I mean? If we had 30 million in the bank, I'd be a happy man. If we spend the other, well, 40 million on players, great. You know what I mean? You've got to speculate to accumulate. This team does not, this board, sorry, does not want to speculate on the team. You look at the prices we're paying for players, 6 million, they won't go above that anymore. I mean, they paid 9 million for Edward how long ago? And they still won't, they still won't break that record. They have no interest in doing it. All they're interested in is keeping money in the bank and make sure the dividends go amongst themselves and the shareholders. Like it's, it's wrong. Like, yeah. And also, gonna... you t- somebody tell me why that the season ticket prices were increased this season. Somebody tell me why the Champions League packages 
of increases this season. They're gouging the fans left, right and centre while they're sitting on a massive reserve of cash. I've got this up here. Just arrived today. Right. A commemorative top that the team will never wear. Right. They're flying out the shelves. They're coining it in from the supporters. And um, and yet they've got the goal to tell us that we're sitting on this pile of cash just in case we don't qualify for Europe. It makes no sense at all. If you've got 72 million in cash reserves, why don't you take 5 million of that and give it to Kieran Tierney for the season? And then you've got your left back. Now, the Kieran Tierney, the rumours were that Kieran Tierney was absolutely prepared to come here, but the Celtic, the Celtic just didn't think they had the finances to make it happen. But we could have paid his whole salary for a year for five million and not made even a single dunt in, in this massive cash pile they've got there. It makes no sense at all. Uh, and, you know, we've got weaknesses. We've got players all over the pitch. You talk about Lagerbielka and, and this supposed injury we have at centre-half. We sold Staffelt. Right, we sold a, an experienced player who we should never have sold at that price. If he wanted a move, we should have told him, we'll sell you in six months' time when your replacements had six months to bed into the team and the squad. And that would have gave Lagavielka all these games. Right, but we didn't. We took the first cash offer that was that was waived at his first felt, and we brought his replacement in after he's gone. And there you go, we're complaining, we're worrying now because we've got no experience in the Champions League. I mean, come on, it's a no-brainer. You don't sell him until his, experience, his, his replacement's been in the door for a number of months. And that's just a symptom of how the transfer window just went to absolute shit for us this year. An absolute shit show. Yep, I'd have to agree. You guys have said everything that I wanted to, other than one little thing. Willie said the old spec to, speculate to accumulate thing. Stephen, you, what you said all the time there, what, if it was me, would have had a lot more swear words involved. So it's a good thing you said it. Um, just overall for me, it's like come from like a lot of my family members and that work in finance. And the old saying is if money in the bank is basically, it, it loses its value because of inflation and you're in a cost of living issue issue at the moment. So it was great. Good that you touched on the other stuff there, Stephen, because that's what I was about to add to it was we got so many kits, so many drops of shoes and training gear and, you know, street wear and all this sort of stuff that just keeps piling up and up and up and people are doing it tough, paying their, their heating bills, their their power bills, getting food on the table, rents are going up, all this sort of stuff, right? And then they're wanting more, 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 and then suddenly, oh, we've got $72 million in the bank for what? So the thing for me is it's about – yeah, as you said, if we had 30 in the bank, great. It's about making sure we're putting that money to good use for the club. And strangers of the doctor here has pretty much top said what I want to do. So my view is I'd rather spend our reserves on infrastructure and opening up more revenue streams, such as the hotel, food and retail outlets around Celtic Park. Yeah, so we've got the Barrowfield thing going for $20 million. Great. That's going to come out of this. But you're not going to pay it all in one chunk you're going to get financed for that and pay it off over a bunch of time. So you've still got that money there. So then you go to your hotel. If you're going to do that, and that was quoted, that was costed at $30 million. Great. We've still got 20-odd 20, 20 million in the bank if we had to pay for both up front. But you don't have to do that. Long term, they put that comes in. Unless they're saving this money up to get the $120 million they need to fix the main stand, put a top, another tier on top of that, and turn it into an 80-seater stadium, I can't see what the, what the end goal is here. 
it's an absolute shambles. There's only two possibilities here. The, the, the one possibility is they're just trying to increase the dividends paid to shareholders. All right now, I know I am a shareholder, uh, and I know how much I get a year from Celtic, and it's not enough to buy yourself a pint down in down in the rocks in Sydney. All right, and I know it's expensive down there. But you wouldn't get enough, but Dermot Desmond will get a lot more than that from the dividend payments. Now, the other thing they may be doing is is fattening the club up for a takeover, um, and if that's the case. Surely, you know, we we need to be they need to be upfront about that because that you know that's the only thing that makes sense. And I was I was I was looking at, at some stuff earlier on today, and that's forty million profit they've posted. Why post a forty million dollar profit? Why not reinvest that money in the business? Because that forty million profit becomes taxable income, and you have to pay tax on that. It makes no sense to be posting a profit that size. We should be posting almost break even figures. Everything should be go back into the business. You reduce your tax liability and you increase the value of the club. It's just a nonsense, an absolute nonsense. Yeah, 100%. That's what they do in Germany, Stephen. Like, they have fan ownership for 51% and they have a thing that you have to spend 80% of what you make goes back into the, into the thing as a minimum. And then the rest can go to infrastructure projects or whatever, but you've got to spend what you earn. Yeah. I'd like to see if there's any other clubs in the world have got that amount of cash in the bank. Sorry, Wally. No, but they, they, they could they can turn around and say, Oh, we couldn't attract we couldn't attract the right players and that. I mean, you guaranteed Champions League football. Players like Livakovic and Fabian Ryder are gonna jump at the chance to play Champions League football. That is where they'll get spotted by bigger clubs and sell like that's where Real Madrid will come and watch Fabian Ryder and say, Is this boy worth a wee shower or not? Like, you know what I mean? Not him going to, where was he? He went to Rennes. I mean, are they in European football this season or are they just playing in Ligue 1? It's, it just doesn't make sense. Next season, the Champions League expands. You're going to get 10 games. A quarter of your season is going to be played playing Champions League football. There is no reason why Celtic can't be attracting players to come to Celtic and say, look, here's your chance. We'll give you a chance to play in the big time. All right, you're not going to... You might not advance to the latter stages or anything like that, but you'll get a chance to be spotted in this tournament. Like, It just... They're just hoarding money for the sake of hoarding money and patting themselves in the back up there upstairs while the rest of us are struggling. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. I mean, you look at it, Greg Taylor is really struggling this season. and they, Surely they've identified a left back, not just says, right, we'll try and get Kieran Tierney and then fail and they just say, oh, well, that didn't work. We'll try again in January. Like, you know what I mean? It, just, it, it doesn't make sense. It, none of this makes sense to me. And it's just... It's great to see the figures. I mean, it's great to see that we're do, we're, we're being successful money-wise, but it needs to be reinvested. And it, like Brendan Rogers is going to look at that and get really, really pissed off when he sees that there's seventy-two million in the bank and he's got a team that's going to be struggling. Like, yeah, right, rightly, so, rightly so. Yeah, I'll go one step further as well. You say Brendan Rogers is going to be pissed off. How about Fran Alonso? You can't even get an extra, you know, 500000 on his budget. And he's got Glasgow City and, and Sevco paying double at least what his wage budget is. You got $72 million in the bank. Yeah, I know we don't, we talk about things and we get some people in the comments is like, I don't really care about the women's team. Great, whatever. But that's their opinion. But at the end of the day, if the club's got $72 million in the bank and you can't make half a million available for him to keep a player like Jacinta, which would have potentially meant Starfelt stays if that was a factor, who knows. But then at the same time, 
you don't lose all these players that have just left and the women's program does well as, as well. Well then I don't know. I just, there's the whole bunch of things here for me that I just doesn't sit right. Apparently Fran Alonso doesn't even have the third highest budget in women's football in Scotland. Like I think Hearts does. Like. Wouldn't surprise me. The whole thing stinks to the high heavens of Peter Lowe. And I'm just going to come right and say that because everyone's saying, no, he's, the, he's, the, he's a non-executive chairman. He's got no impact on the day-to-day running of the club. But the whole place is reeking of him now. And if he might not have influence in the day-to-day running of the club, but it's been running his image 100%. And all this stuff about, you know, we're stockpiling players in the, the 24 million range. We're signing loads of players in the 24 million range. And that's lawlism. That's what he's been doing for the past umpteen years at Celtic. Buy loads of cheap players and hope one of them's like a Victor Wanyama or a Virgil van Dijk and you can cash in on them and make a fortune. And that's the wrong thing we're doing. And we've done it again this summer. We've went and bought, bought a bucket load of, um, of, of of players with some with potential and some that just don't make any sense. Like like Quan that we spoke about earlier, 800 grand. From the from the Korean second division, I mean, how's how's that guy ever going to be a Champions League player? All we're hoping for is in two years' time, these guys are going to have been successful, and then we can punt them on. So we're not even getting the benefit of that development in a football sense because Jota was a player who could have made an impact for us in the Champions League this year, but we sold him the first big money bid that came from, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have. It was a lot of money. But how are we going to get Champions League level players if we buy them when they're not Champions League level, keep them for two years and then sell them? It doesn't make any sense. We've got to recruit players at a higher level. And if we have to spend more money on that, that's what we we need to do. We've got the money to do it. That's absolutely obvious now. The money's there to do it. We just don't want to. So I'm going to bring out some comments here. So Michael Ross, it's our club. Andrew Galea, it's madness that Saudi can't gathering up the best local talent. It's snobbery. Red Scotland, I want the majority of the decision makers at the club to be from the demographic that makes us the club we are, the supporters. Michael Ross was, I don't understand why Rogers came back to this. And then Red followed up, he must have been sold a lemon. His demeanour recently has indicated to me that is the case. Uh, Just to... So follow up on what Stephen says. Under um, under Ange, we seem to have a bit of forward thinking there. When, when Peter Law wasn't on the scene, we had a seem to have a bit of forward thinking. We were out. We bought players we needed. We were out. We got Kyogo. Kyogo came in. We got Jota on loan. We got CCV on loan with options to buy. We put players in in January, and Rio Vitati, Dyson Mieda came in with the view of them being hit to get a feel for the the league, and then the season, the next season to be one of our main players. They seem to be a bit of forward thinking, but as soon as guaranteed Champions League, Champions League football came back to Celtic, reappears Mr. Peter Lowell as the non-executive chairman, and all of a sudden that forward thinking's just all fallen by the wayside, and as Stephen says, it's gone out project player, project player, project player. There's no first team ready sort of players that have come in this season. Navrochki, possibly, but he's injured. Other than that, who Palmer, you could say he may be a first-team player, but other than that, which of the players would you say would you be guaranteed a first-team starting berth just straight away off the bat as soon as they sign? Look, I would go follow on that, Willie, and say that you can trace it back to when Mark Lowell took over as the head of recruitment. 
who guess who guess who says dad? You know, uh, we've signed something. I looked at it. I looked at it. He joined in July 2022, Matt Lowell. So that transfer window in that summer, you, you can't really give him any any involvement. And, you know, we signed Aaron Moy that summer, but he wasn't a Matt Lowell signing. That that was a guy that Ange knew. Now, if you look from then to now, it, across the transfer windows that he's been responsible for, we've had one success, one guy that's been a, a, a roaring success, and that's Alistair Johnson. The rest have either been a, are either juries out on them or they've been a failure. So that's that that's where you can trace it back to. And that's when Lowell's influence got re-established at the club and it started being run again in his image. It's not that he's interfering on a day-to-day by transfer with, with transfers. It's that he's got his placemen in place and the club has been run in his image. Absolutely, 100%. Yep, it's the culture of the place has got that Lowell stench on it. Michael the boy, now we know why Ange left. Peter Law comes back and we start to go back to the way again. Doesn't want to progress in Europe. Now, I saw something as well, which I thought was, um, I'm going to just go through because I found this quite amusing. We're talking about needing to spend more on actual like quality, Champions League quality players, right? And I understand that. I think it's more about like the Alistair Johnson signing. It's about signing the right caliber of player that fits the style of play that we are, who's of the level. So this bloke goes, the last the last eleven players Celtic have signed that previously played in the Champions League were Compa, Tolyan, Bolongoli, Alanusi, Barkas, Ayeti, Hart, Jakamakis, Jota, Phillips, and Bernardo. It's a bit of a uh, hit and miss sort of thing there, isn't it? And then, yeah, and then there's another post I saw, which was just for a laugh, someone having a crack at the project signing sort of thing. He did an inexperienced but shite combined 11 from recent seasons. Barkas in goal, Tolyan, Compa, Duffy, Laxalt, Mulumbu, McCarthy, Boradica, Burke, Ayeti, and Kazim Richards was the lineup he did. Now, the reason I brought that up is how much money did we spend on those players? Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus you're probably enough for one good you know first team ready player some were loan but the rest of it all of them were under law's watch in his first stint or now and i'm looking at it going 
We talk about the project signing, but then we waste money like that. I would rather the money spent like that would have been spent on those players. Bring us a Carter Vickers. Bring us another Jota. Guys who can contribute to the first team. And I also looked did a dive to it a couple of seasons ago after the Lenny season, but the 10 in a row didn't happen before Ange come in. And I looked into all the strike all the strikers that we signed for two million or less. We spent, I think it was like twenty-four or twenty-eight million on strikers over the ten year ten period on, on players who didn't even play, who didn't score double digit goals for the club and didn't play more than thirty games for the club. It says it all. We waste money on stupid shit and then we wonder why things are happening. But then they get on the media and they've got 72 million in the banks. So now every club that you want to buy players from as well know you've got that money. So what are they going to do? They'll put a premium on it. I don't know. The board just doesn't make any sense to me. This whole situation does not make sense at all. The frustrating thing for me is watching that game um, on Wednesday morning here was that I reckon three players of a decent quality would have, would have won that game. You know, notwithstanding the sendings off or anything, if you take them out of the equation, um, if you'd put a new goalkeeper in, a younger, more agile goalkeeper, if we'd had a quality left back and a quality number 10 in that team, I think we'd win the game. And that's the that, that's what I mean. I know there's some people in the comments say we, we, we don't, we, we'll never have enough money to, um, you know, to, to, to lift our, our status in Europe. But from here, we, we just don't win games in Europe at the moment. We don't win any games. So any sort of win in Europe is a, is a rise in our status. And that's why we do it. You take it in incremental steps and you don't stand still because nobody else is standing still. And we're going to get left behind here. And that's what's going to happen. This new expanded Champions League is going to start next year. There's more money coming along with that. So the teams that are in it are going to just take off into the distance. And if we're not in it, which at the moment we're looking at a qualifier the year after even win the league, we're going to get left behind. And it just down to a chronic lack of ambition by the board. It's not only that we're going to get left behind, it's going to be near impossible to catch up again when they're handing out 60 million a season to the 20, 32 teams that make that Champions League. It's going to take a lot of massive effort. No matter that 72 million in the bank will soon dissipate trying to catch that. And you, if you don't get in there, you're just going to get left behind, as you say. And it, it's going to be a nightmare to try and catch up. But further to your point, Stevie, that that whole three players could have made a big difference. Every podcast and everyone who has any sort of knowledge of Celtic at all can see that a goalkeeper, a left-back and a number 10 would have made a, would have been the three signings that was really needed to push the team to the next level in the close season. And they didn't make a move in it. Surely the board can see that, you know what I mean? I mean, are they just going to turn around and first throw the list out as soon as Brendan walks in he goes oh yeah yeah we'll, we'll sort that and as soon as he walks out just scrunch out and throw in the bin and just give him that as he closes the office door because that's, that's the way it looks to me at this moment in time when you look at the figure of 72 million sitting in the bank and you've got three positions you're screaming out to be fixed the funny thing as well William and I'll say funny you know um, you know, taking the piss sort of situation here is you invest that money on players you do well in the Champions League, their value goes up, then suddenly you sell them for more and you make more money and then you get a slightly better quality again and you go again. And your overall squad value improves year on year on year on year 
Yeah. And then you get to the point where you're just like, you're not losing that money by putting it into the squad. I think the sure. board got a little bit jumpy after the uh, Yeti and, and Barkas thing, and now they've just gone back to type again. Club Bruges did it. Club Bruges went through similar stuff to us, buying project players, and then they started making incremental changes, and now they buy Champions League-ready players, and they're in the Champions League every year. And teams, we, like, just... teams, like, teams like FC Copenhagen are going to go past us as well. Teams like yeah. that have got real ambition. Um, there was a team playing against Real Madrid last night, Union Berlin. You know, they're a team that were hardly not even in the Bundesliga a few years ago, and now they they're just miles past us as well. There's all sorts of teams all over Europe. Union Berlin giving us eight million for our right back, and we're like, oh, I will take that. Like, you know what I mean? When he's probably worth a lot more. Josip Janovic probably should have got more than eight million for him too. Like, should have got more for Jack and Marcus than we got for him. Yeah, you know, should have got yeah, more again, for him. We've downgraded from Jack Amakis to O because yeah. we took as soon as he, you know, mentioned the fact that he might want away, we took the cash straight away. You know, no, no, no questions asked, and then went and signed a guy from the Korean League who, you know, might become a decent player down the road. I'm not writing him off, but at the moment he's not. At the moment he's not what we need in the Champions League. He's just not. It's as simple as that, and we don't have enough players of that quality in the team. Yep, have to agree, guys. I think we'll leave that topic there. topic there. I'm sure we'll do a deep deep dive into it. I'm losing my voice, so what I'll do is I'll go, uh, Willie. Willie, how so we're, we're, we're getting into the Livingston game, is it? I take it. So yeah. here we go again, and the Livingston on that plastic Lego pitch, trying to play a team who have no intention of crossing their own halfway line. I couldn't think of a worse place to go after a defeat in Holland. Um, for me, I think we go with a smash and grab mission, get in there, get a couple of early goals, manage the game and get out. And my hope is that's the way it'll be. I would probably be a bit fearful any players that are carrying any niggles or any knocks to play on the plastic. Like Kyogo, for example, I don't want him to be playing. If we need him to come on in 60 minutes because we're struggling, then so be it. But I would probably start with O. All right, Willie. So thanks for that. So how will Celtic back up from midweek match away in Europe? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a tough game, as Willie said. It's always a tough game at Livingston. You never get, you never get an easy game. It's a horrific surface. Um, against a dogged and determined team managed by a rampant hun. Um, so you're always going to get it. You're, you're always going to get it tough there. Uh, and we are going to have to be careful uh, with injured or players carrying injuries. I don't think Phillips will play, regardless if he's fit or not. I think he'll um, he'll be left out of this game and it'll be Lager, Bielka and Skills again. Um, I kind of disagree a little bit with Willie in that we, we need to play Kyogo. It's as simple as that. It'd be good if we could rest him. I don't think we can. Can you can you imagine the scenes if we if we draw or lose this game and and Rob uh, Rogers has left Kyogo on the bench? You know we, we just don't have that luxury. It'd be great if we had a Jackamakis there that you could come on and lead the line and, and and have a you know have a decent amount of confidence that he's going to score goals. But we just don't have it, so he has to play. And if he if he gets injured, then you know that's just a, another symptom of, of the poor business we've done. I'd be playing Maeda as striker. That's what I'd be doing, but yeah, I'm just thinking with the um, we recently struggled at the spaghetti had, 
you know, now the Armandvale Stadium on the plastic pitch is, is a potential banana skin for us, Willie. Oh, it's definitely a potential banana skin. We, I mean, it wasn't until Arms came in that we kind of broke the hoodoo there. We were struggling on that pitch, no matter what sort of weather conditions was thrown out on it. So, um, like I say, if it was me, I would just go out and try and just go all guns blazing in the first 10, 15 minutes, get a couple of goals, and then manage the game from there on in. Like. Yep, and Stephen, what do you think? Yeah, I think pretty much the same. We need, we need to try and get the job done early. As ever, it'll uh, all come down to getting the first goal. Because when you get the first goal, you know, they have game plan changes. Um, they're sort of, you know, they've got to come out and attack a little bit. They, they won't come right out, but they, they, there will be more spaces for us to get in, a, in, a, in and around the box. And um, I think that's the key. It is a, banana, a potential banana skin. You know, Brendan's team's struggled there in, the, uh, in his first spell as manager. So, it's definitely a banana skin, but you know, we've got to just put our faith in the fact that we're a better team than them. You know, we're miles better than them, and um, you know, it, we should win the game. It's as simple as that. And I hope he sends it. He sends them out with that, with that message that you know, forget about who does, forget about plastic pitches, forget about any of this stuff. This is Livingston you're playing, and they are crap. You know, you are good champ. You know, your team that's playing in the Champions League. You know, whatever whatever our performance was like, we're playing in the Champions League. We shouldn't be worrying about Livingston. No excuses. Get out there, get the business done, pick up the three points. That's the way I look at it. Starting lineup for me: Hart and Goals, Taylor, Scales, Lagerbelke because we don't have any other options at centre back, and Johnson on the right. Midfield three, same on as the midweek. See if Hattade bounces back up front. Mader at striker. Yang and Palmer on the on the wings. Stephen, what's your starting lineup and your score prediction? Yeah, pretty much the same. Hart um, and goal. Um, Johnston, Lagabielka, Skills, and um, and uh, uh, Taylor. Um, I have a half a notion that you might see Turnbull back again in midfield, uh, just by the fact that Maida was so poor. Um, I'm not saying that's what I think should happen, but I think there's a possibility that, that might happen. He retains the ball a lot better than than um, than Hitati does, and I think that that might see him playing. The fact that he's, you know, so there, there seems to be some sort of question about Hitati's match fitness, so he might choose to let to leave him out of this game. Um, you you might even see home getting a start there, so um, I think there may be a change in midfield. Um, I would still go with Kyogo up front. Um, definitely, and I would probably go back with Yang right and Maeda left because I think Palmer will never have seen anything like this before in his life. This sort of surface, so I, I wouldn't be introducing him to it from the start, and maybe give him give him ten fifteen minutes at the end if we're, if we're comfortably ahead. And Willie, you start and line up and score prediction. Um, probably go Hart, Taylor, Scales. Um, Alistair Johnson and for me possibly see a lot of play centre-half because it may come if Phillips injury doesn't see him back fit for the Lazio game he may want to play Scales and Tomkey together to get a bit of understanding of each other in the midfield you'll see Calmac or Riley and either Hattie or Turnbull I'm a bit undecided on that 
Um, I think you probably will see Palmer. I kind of agree with what Stephen says there, but um, Mieda on the right and O up front because I, I just fear that, that pitch might be too much for Kyogo's wee shoulder if he takes a little tumble on it. So, and score prediction 2 0. Just to get a couple early goals, manage the game out. Like. Do you give your score prediction, Stephen? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be positive here and say we're going to win the game 4 0. Um, quite comfortably, um, so you've got you've got to be confident. Michael Ross said ninety percent possession for Southern Adult Turgid one nil for the boys. And for me, I think we're gonna um, have have fun. It's gonna be six uh, nil. We're gonna hit a couple early. Get get everyone off. We go. Hopefully, I'm proven right, and it's not Michael Ross's thing of a turgid boring one nil, but. You know, I, I doubt it. So thanks everyone for tuning in. If you haven't done so, hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel and on your podcast app. Hit the like button on YouTube. Helps us with the algorithm. We've got a Facebook group um, and page on Instagram, Twitter, and threads. You can find us at Celtic Down. Um, yeah, we've also the month of October is Mental Health Awareness Month. So Southern Under team is doing a fundraiser for that. So the link's in the show notes. If, you, if you've got a couple of spare dollars or whatever and you want to support us, click the link, check it out. Don't expect everyone to because, you know, it's a bit tough this time of the year with it, you know, lead up to Christmas and everything else. But appreciate any support we can get. Final thoughts, boys. Over to you, Willie. Yeah, two weeks of being a solo dad while my wife went home to visit her family. I take my hearts off to any solo parents out there. Fair play, yes. And the final thought for me tonight is ooh ah, up the waz. <laughs> Stephen, final thought? Yeah, um, as, I, as I showed everybody earlier in, in mid-run, um, I got myself the new, um, the new top uh, during the week, so I'm really chuffed with it. It's a great top, you know. So they'd, I've just probably shown myself out to be a complete hypocrite by buying into the, the bullshit. But yeah, I'll be I'll be parading around the house with that on for the next few days. Yeah, and for me, it just um, it's pretty simple. I was just gonna say, like, I just want to thank everyone who has been helping the channel, um, all the contributors, everyone. In the comments that get on every week, we're getting some really good feedback lately. So thanks for that, and enjoy what we do. Enjoy seeing any direct messages on Twitter or anything like that. Just letting us know that you enjoyed what we're doing. So keep it coming. It's good, good for the ego, good for the boys to know that we're what we're doing is appreciated, and yeah, building this community. So thank you. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week on Monday for the pot noodle after hopefully a th- absolute smashing win. See you then. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.